0: Hey everyone, I'm Jacob. I'm Gabriel. I'm Aranya. We're the Intellectuals. These are the issues, let's get right into it.
1: Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Intellectuals Present Tackling the Issues podcast. We're joined today by a fellow intellectual. um,
2: Hi, my name's Ryan, what's up guys?
1: And the issue that we're gonna be discussing today is climate change, so uh, We all have stances on climate change and we're just gonna be discussing them. So here we go. Yes, indeed. All right, so to start off, the the first thing we wanna start off
3: with is what are the causes of climate change? Because this is a heavily disputed area and it would do some good for us to lay down the facts before we start getting into the speculation. So in my opinion, personal opinion, I believe that industrialization is one of the biggest contributors to carbon, uh, to the carbon footprint and to global warming in general. For example, did you know that the top 10 largest cargo freights in the world emit just as much pollution as every single car in the world? That is a huge amount of pollution from a small percentage of industrialized things. And uh, I believe that if we tackle this issue first, we could severely help uh, reduce the amount of carbon in the atmosphere, which has been
1: linked to increasing global temperatures. What do you think, Gabriel? I think what we need to discuss is what is the main barrier to uh, combating climate change is it government politics? Because in government, in the government, people like Donald Trump don't believe that climate change exists to the degree that it does, and that we're the ones harming our Earth. So, if we can be able to tackle the issues within the government, that will lead us to
0: uh, tackle climate change as a unit. Um, I take a more pessimistic approach. I think that, in my opinion, um, climate change is not a problem that we'll we'll be able to solve in the long run or in the short run. Um, The main reason being that it's not just a one-off solution. uh, For a problem to be effectively tackled, people, corporations, countries, we would all have to implement major changes, many of which won't be directly beneficial. Even Even if one is tempted to argue that the steps are already being taken with new technologies being developed, regulations imposed, These stars are still not efficient or cheap enough to replace fossil fuels as our major source of energy, let alone the plastics that we use in our daily lives. It can also be hard to ask developing countries to regulate their emissions as well while they industrialize, as it can be considered unfair to say that these countries shouldn't be allowed to take the same route as other countries took to prosperity. Finally, um, apologies for being so long, but it can be hard to solve a universal global problem if not everyone is on board or on the same page. Many appear to underestimate the consequences of the severity of climate change, while others just flatly reject any such idea. The fact that uh, many of these people with such beliefs reside in powerful positions, as was mentioned earlier, this only serves to make it harder to achieve anything. Um, if anything substantial is going to happen, it won't be with the current generation in power, but with the next one, who in general seem more aware of the urgency of the problem. But by that time, it will be too late anyway.
1: So the question that I personally have is how do we not, how do we know that it's not a natural thing? So for example, there are sunspots on the sun and changes in sunspots over period, long periods of time, such as 10,000 years, uh, lead to global warming. And it's, this has been known for a while, Uh, as well as axial tilt, the position of the orbit of the earth. So how do we know that these aren't, that a mixture of all these things are not what is causing the main bulk of climate change, right?
2: I mean, I think definitely it's good that you clarified a point there because the concept of climate change is one that is ubiquitous. It's a ubiquitous concept that most, most people in the modern age agree with. Um, however, there's massive debate on the causes, right? What's behind this? A lot of people like Donald Trump argue that this is the natural, you know, this is the natural change of climate, and then what we do doesn't have a massive effect. And others argue that we are the the, uh, the sole perpetrators when it comes to the state of our um, rising climate. Uh, but also, there are—if I want to bring any examples—there are um, evidences of climate change, such as the um, Arctic ice. Right, there are different layers of ice that allow scientists to climate climate date what the air was like it has shown us what the air was like at the at the um, birth of our planet and what it is right now and the different layers have shown that over time we are at the highest rise of climate change following the um, industrial revolution coming back to my point that is almost exactly my point the
3: industrial revolution has caused a huge change in our climate and and completely um undeniable change uh, as gabby has said gabriel has said there are some things uh such as the sunspot um frequency and axial tilt that do affect our climate however the change in climate over the last 200 years is exactly equivalent to the change in climate over the last one hundred thousand years
1: yeah it's like a obvious trend
3: there's an obvious trend that has seen with the rise of humans and uh, the ability to uh, produce uh, energy through burning of fossil fuels there's definitely been an a systemic increase at the same time um, of in the temperature of our planet and while the real science getting down to it is finding out whether this is correlation or causation and personally I believe that we have to fund more or uh, the government or private agencies have to fund more investigations into this to prove with undeniable fact that it is in fact uh, carbon dioxide
1: no for sure it's reckless of governments in fact to consider to not even consider the possibility that climate change is a human problem. So at least what people in power must be doing, and it is imperative that they do this, is to know for a fact. Because the fact is that ninety-seven percent of scientists, and I don't know how recent this is. This could be from uh, this could be from as early as two thousand ten, uh, where now we know even more about climate change than we did then. But even in uh, even in 2010, 97 percent of scientists believed that it is a human issue. So the truth is that we need to start combating it now,
0: and that's not something that can be argued. I think to like continue on the point that about the governments needing to fund research. Though the problem is is that different governments have different objectives. Different countries are different stages of progress. Like. I mean, we had the one major achievement, which was the Paris Climate Accord. But then just a couple of years later, Donald Trump took the US out of it, which was a major step backwards and none of it was in co- anything concrete. It's just all promises of vague um, tasks, and we still can achieve that.
2: Right. And another thing is that if you look at countries now, not a minute number of them are on track to actually um, set out and achieve those promises. Right. Um, and I think, you know, we should we should start di- discussing solutions, right? How can we, as a society, um, solve these problems if we cannot rely on our own governments? You know, I'd just like to hear your takes on that.
3: Um, speaking, of, speaking of government, the fact of the matter is that in any case, per- perhaps this doesn't apply to every country in the world, but the U.S. is a world leader in these matters. Regardless of whether we like it or not, wh- what tends to happen is that once the U.S. does something, uh, most countries follow in the footsteps and the fact of the matter is that oil lobbyists and u.s lawmakers are deep in each other's pockets there is a huge amount of uh, money sent by uh, oil lobbyists in order to fund u.s lawmaker campaigns and as we probably can guess oil lobbyists are not exactly in the best of terms with climate change they don't they want people to believe or at least they don't want to actively help promote the ideology that oil and burning of fossil fuels is causing climate change. When in fact, as Gabby said, 97% of scientists believe
0: that that is true. So perhaps that's what we need to target. We need to target legislation. Uh, One point to that. I I suppose that you could say that now US is sort of taking a step back with Trump and his isolationism and that China is now trying to emerge in the forefront as having the most soft power in the world. But again, that's still not ideal to our problem because they emit the most they have the largest carbon dioxide footprint, or one of the largest. So it's not ideal that they are taking charge in these issues either. Yeah, of course, I mean, China
1: is a country with more than, I think, a billion and a half people, people—one billion people, which is ridiculous. And a lot of China's industry comes from uh, sectors that burn fossil fuels. And China has pushed back on regulation for a long time uh and uh while the Paris Accord seem to be a step in the right direction the fact that the u.s has pulled out of it is uh not ideal, not ideal to say the least uh as well as this country such as india have also been struggling to uh, uh deal with climate change for example in new delhi that there have been school closures due to the massive amounts of air pollution yeah. that come from uh trucks and cars and massive amounts of, uh, greenhouse gases like nitrous oxides. And there's really, it's very difficult to come together and, uh, discuss this if countries are, uh, dealing with if are not effectively dealing with things like that.
2: Right. And we also, we also have to keep into account the, um, the consumers, right? Um, now I, it's really important that you brought up China and India because, you know, the commonality between all of these lobbyists and um, politicians that I've seen so far is that they like to push blame. They like to be like, oh, look, China and India have the largest carbon footprints, but look at their populations. I mean, and then look at the U.S. population versus how much they produce. Yeah. It doesn't matter how much. I mean, obviously it matters. but. You still have responsibility regardless of how much you produce relative to others, right? It's, it's a fallacy that people are just pushing the blame because actually the U.S. has a higher per capita consumption. The people are on average using more fossil fuels. and Especially here in the UAE, we have one of the highest carbon footprints per capita. I feel like people need to also not only push the governments, but look within themselves for, for a sense of direction. Because we, we have a lot of power in this case to change. Speaking of consumerism, um, while this may not seem related
3: at first, just stick with me for a second. Over the last 50 years, there has been an increase of uh, a 20-fold increase in the consumption of meat. And surprisingly, this is a massive, massive issue for climate change. Um, For example, uh, why is this an issue, basically? Well, the fact of the matter is that when people consume more and more meat, the fact about meat is that it produces a lot, a surprising amount of um, pollution, air pollution, uh, water pollution, as Gabby stated, nitrous oxides which leach into waters and pollute the atmosphere, uh, both the waters and the atmosphere because as we know, water is part of the atmospheric cycle. And livestock farming produces methane, which although it stays for less time in the atmosphere than carbon dioxide produces, is four times as potent as trapping greenhouse gas, as trapping heat than carbon dioxide four times. That means, that means that for every cow, uh, every beef steak, every chicken uh, meal, chicken burger that we consume, we are adding so much more into the atmosphere than we think and it is causing massive problems. So maybe one step in the right direction would be for consumers ourselves to change the way we eat. Maybe not immediately, but at least be mindful about what uh, the consequences of our actions are.
1: Uh, yeah, of course. I mean, a huge example of this is cattle ranching in uh, places like the Amazon. And while th- it's a completely different topic, the uh, lot deforestation in the Amazon and how that's affecting our climate, it's obvious that cattle ran- things like cattle ranching in the Amazon are not at all helpful towards our environment. In fact, it's a step in the wrong direction. Brazil, while being the biggest beef uh Exporter has a right uh, to, has a duty to protect its rainforests and to protect the Amazon rainforest because it absorbs a huge amount of the world's oxygen, uh, uh, of the world's carbon dioxide, and replaces it with oxygen. So they have a right to protect it.
0: But then again, you have to go back to the issue of the meat and how everyone is eating it. Like, I, I understand that this is a serious issue but they still, won't make me, they still won't stop me from eating meat. I just can't help myself. And I think it'll be harder for other people who, who don't have as much, um, I guess, interest in the issue to tell them to stop eating as well. But uh, Ryan, do you have a point?
2: Yeah, also, um, not only the, um, the implications of getting people to stop eating meat, but also the implications of reducing the amount of cow ranching. You know, how does, how does a, uh, a ranch... Uh, what, how does a ranch reduce its population, right? And what will that mean for all that mean for economies around the world when they when they lose that farming industry in, when it comes to animal animal products? Perhaps it's time
3: to
0: stop pointing fingers and start finding solutions. Uh, Valens, what do you think? Mm, I have an interesting solution, potential solution, but I'm not sure what to think of it, and I'd like some of your intellectual opinions on it so um as we know that there are some major companies uh involved in fossil fuels like um like shell oil for example um and there's new companies popping up to do with renewable sources um i have this idea that instead of having different new like fresh companies why don't we just transfer all the abilities and um and the technology to the old companies so they would produce with the infrastructure and you know, with all their capital they already have, they can start producing renewable so- from renewable sources.
1: Well, I mean, it's a very, like, idealistically, it's a strong point. However, how much, how feasible is it? How willing would companies be to abandon what makes them the most money? Like, like, there's just no way to persuade shell oil to drop the she- to drop the oil out of their name and replace it with shell water, wit. shell, renewables. water. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: shell renewables like in a capitalist world do we are we able to persuade them
0: to do that and there's also the other side of the other companies should they just stop existing for the benefit of society that's just something you can't answer for someone else
3: Um, As interesting as these solutions are, from an economic standpoint, the greater the competition in the market, not only is the price lower, but also there is a greater consumption of, say, for example, oil and um, energy in general, let's say. So that includes oil and renewables or non-renewables and renewables. Now, how do we start pushing for more renewables? The fact of the matter is we need more competition in the market. So that means that either we need better renewable energy or we need more renewable energy. And an interesting statistic that I found a few days ago was that if we manage to produce solar panels, which are 10 percent efficient, just 10 percent efficient, then with an area of solar panels the size of 0.1 percent of the UK, we will be able to power the entire of the UK, which means that honestly, personally, I believe that we have to invest in companies such as Tesla who are leading the drive for renewable energy and solar energy, which is so absolutely vital for energy going forward for renewable energy and in the long term for combating climate change. And if we do this now, and if we manage to play our cards right, we should be able to um, provide energy sustainably, efficiently, and uh, cheaply for all.
2: Yeah, I definitely agree with you, Aranya. Um, one one like, controversial debate that I'd like to bring up is to what extent should we curb people's liberties and um, compel them? to like what, what government institutions should exist to compel people to abide by these, or should we allow it, should we just f- focus more on educating people and allow, pres- preserving liberty? Or do you believe that government should compel
0: people to abide by these solutions to climate change? It's a lot of points, a lot of solutions, but I'm not sure which ones. Yeah. The the,
1: I think, I think we come here with more questions than we have answers. And there's just so many that due to time constraints, we have to end it there, but there's just so much more to discuss on this topic. Uh, listener, you, uh, you at home can do a
3: very big part in helping uh, us and as well as helping the environment. Uh, firstly, tell your friends about this podcast. Uh, tell your friends about this podcast. It would really help us and it would really give us traction so that more people can hear the issues that we have to talk
0: about uh ryan we have to say thank you for coming you've won many good points and yeah thanks for having me guys uh you know be sure to tell your friends about the podcast and
2: uh, thank you for listening we're the intellectuals
0: and we're done here